Welcome to Podcast, the business of dentistry podcast, brought to you by Practice Plan. Podcast delivers the best business advice, real life stories, and practical hints and tips to make your practice a more profitable and sustainable business. And now, here's your host. Welcome to this episode of Bogcast. My name is Amelia Wright and I'm joined again today by Andy McLaughlin. Hi Andy. Hey Amelia, how are you doing? I'm very good, how are you? Yeah, really, really well. It's good to be back again, thank you. Good, good. Excellent to speak to you again. Um, so following on from when we spoke previously, we had a, a really good conversation about the rebuild section of the five R's um, and I believe today you're joining us to speak to us again about resilience on this occasion. That's right. Yeah, resilient. Yeah, really interesting. Well, that's very relevant for the moment, isn't it? I think with with everything that's gone on for for this year, resilience is one thing that uh, we're, we've all had to use and are in probably in need of as well. So, totally. Well, it's really interesting because um, so so there's a guy called Steve Seabold, and um, he he um, he's a very famous guy. He writes books. He's a, a motivational speaker. If you if you look him up on YouTube, he's really interesting. Um, he wrote a book called How Rich People Think. Um, and actually, one of his phrases is this: "Refuse to emotionally succumb to the negative events around you, and tap into your mental toughness to thrive in any environment." Now, that's really interesting because actually that's what resilience is all about. There's two there's two kinds of resilience, Amelia. Um, yep. There's physical resilience. So let's just think about that. What could that be? Um, so maybe we're, we're all walking up Mount Snowdon um, on a Sunday morning early on. We're going to get to the summit. Um, it's piddling down with rain. It's cold. My face is really cold. My hands have gone numb. My feet are killing me, by the way, because I've got a blister on the back of my left foot. Um, and now I've got to keep going. So that's physical resilience. Mm. But then actually above and beyond that, the, the skill set that we really need to develop is actually not physical resilience, it's more mental resilience, really. So our yeah. ability, as Steve said there, um, to be able to not succumb to the environment, um and to just keep ourselves going and that's where dental practices have been now for months and months you know bless them they are working in such horrendous conditions that they really are showing and demonstrating some incredible resilience and i as a non-dental person take my hat off to them i i recently went and had some dental work done um and i could not believe um, even with my my health and safety hat on, um, how amazing they are um, at managing PPE, the whole process. So that resilience is really key. But the mental resilience part is really, really important, uh, Amelia, because, of course, we only maintain res resilience for, for so long before before we break down. And, and that's and that's the challenge that we've got inside um, business at the moment, particularly that of dental practices. Yeah, I'm just thinking like mental resilience is, I guess that's kind of almost feeds into physical resilience because a lot of it, I suppose it goes back to that old adage of mind over matter. 
Totally. Yeah. Well, we, we, we see this demonstrated um, in the likes of um, a marathon runner. He or she, um, uh, at the end of the day, mentally, they're pushing themselves forward to try and ensure that they can get across that line um, at the finish as quickly as they possibly can. But, you know, there's a, there's a few there's a few examples of resilience out there um, in the world. And, and one of the examples that I often do talk about, Amelia, is, is that of the actor Sylvester Stallone. Um, you know, if you do some research and if you look at where he came from and how he's managed to create his life, it's really interesting in that um, uh, he obviously speaks a little bit funny. He's got that little lilt to his face as well. That's because he, he, he suffered at the hands of the doctors when he was born um, some nerve damage on the left hand side of his face. Um, as a young man, he moved to California um, and he couldn't get himself a job, but he wanted to work in the film industry. Now, whether you like Sly Stallone or not, it's kind of irrelevant because, again, we're, we're, we find ourselves in that position where we look at, some, at something that somebody has achieved and we have to give it credit where credit's due. So this young Sylvester Stallone, he moves to California, he can't get himself a job. So he actually ends up living, would you believe, in a, in a bus station. Now, he, his only friend at that moment in time was, was his dog. He'd got, I think it was a big, quite a big dog, like a bull mastiff or something like that. And would you believe he ended up selling his dog for $25 so that he could eat? That's how, that's how poor, that's where he got himself to. Now, he managed to then get himself a, a, a job at some point, which paid him a pittance. And he then moved, his, he moved himself into a, a very, very small apartment, which he described as being eight foot by nine foot. I'm not sure whether it was that small or not. And he was watching the TV on this particular one night. And on the TV was Muhammad Ali fighting another boxer who was a, um, a I, I forget his name unfortunately it'll, it'll come to me I'm sure um, and this other boxer clearly he was the underdog uh, in the fight but he managed to last the distance with Muhammad Ali and he managed to to, to actually knock Muhammad Ali down uh, once and and Cy Stallone became fascinated by this fight and from there he managed to start writing and start thinking about this story that he made called Rocky um, now, what was really interesting was he wrote um, the script for Rocky actually in three days. He, he wrote solid for three days. Um, he just had a legal pad, like a big A4 pad, and he just jotted his thoughts down. Um, and at the time, he was going for lots of different casting, um, trying to get a job as an actor. And on leaving this particular casting, it was like his 50th or 60th, no thanks, you're not right for the role type thing. Um, and on leaving this particular casting, Amelia, he, he stopped dead in his tracks and he said, OK, I'm no good for this role, but how about looking at this script that I've just written? And so the casting director said, yeah, go on, I'll have a look at your script. And what happened from there was they were interested in buying it and they actually offered him $25,000 to buy the script off him. Now, remember, he'd got no money, this guy. So yeah. he said, no, no, it's worth it's worth more than that. So then it went up to $125,000. So now you're talking about a massive chunk of money. Now, in his own words, he thought to himself, well, I manage poverty quite well. So actually, I need to see how far I can take this and not be tempted and take the $125,000. So he didn't break. And, and, and ultimately, then offered him $325,000. And he said, no, I want to be the actor in the film. And they said, no way, you're not good enough. And so <laughs> the outcome was that they actually offered him a salary of $35,000 to just act in the film as long as they could have the script. 
So he took $35,000, he was able to buy his dog back, and that film ended up grossing over $200 million in the cinema and became one of the all-time best movies out there and from there the rest is history as they say now what he showed what do we learn from that well we learn total resilience total resilience and one of sylvester stallone's favorite sayings is this life's not about how hard you can hit it's about how many hits you can take but keep moving forward what a great saying yeah yeah I, I, as soon as you started saying that i recognized it it's something that i've heard previously um, and a great story as well. I never knew that. I never knew that about her. So, you know, like it makes you look at people in a different light when you hear things like that, and you just assume that they've come from whatever, and you know what they've got now is what they've always had. You know, nice story. And in terms of that, I guess that kind of that that pays over. And we're talking about Sylvester Stallone, you know, a big Hollywood actor, but that principle comes into practice as well for, for individuals in practice and, and you know kind of you're getting the same benefits out of it it really does because what it's creating is it's creating um the ability for individuals to regulate emotions and of course it's emotions that drive us positively or negatively depending on where we're at where we're at with our resilience and where we're at with our belief system on that particular day or time so um, it's one's emotions that will be the things that can spike and to really upset the balance of our equilibrium and in how we're running our day. And, and so when we think about the practice and we think about all the emotions that people are carrying with COVID to help the team become more resilient um, has got a number of benefits in there, not least of which that people um, have been able to manage much better with regards um, change. And um, if people are more resilient uh, at managing change and the fears that we have around change, then that gives us more acceptance, it gives us more flexibility in the way that we are as people. And we kind of just go with the flow a little bit more rather than fight the situation that's, that's offered to us. So, yeah. so building resilience is really important. Yeah, there's that like you you know you just mentioned there about change and we all, I think we're all aware of that that fear of change. We don't know what it is, so we automatically fear it. It's just a you know a, a reaction of of who we are as human beings, I guess. Um, but we we you've talked there about you know we have you know we have times of low resilience. Do you have any kind of tips that you could share about how we recognise that and and how we can what we can do about it? You know how how do we flip that around? Yeah, so um, so it's 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 really interesting. Um, um, paramedics go through resilience training because if you think about paramedics, um, firemen, police people, you know anybody that's in the emergency services, uh, but particularly paramedics, when they're driving to let's say a road traffic accident, they've no idea what's going to meet them at all. So it's almost like they have to brace themselves. Um, they have to brace themselves to really understand what it is that they're going to be dealing with. Now, not quite the same in practice, clearly I understand that, but there's still an element of that because you don't know whether this particular patient is going to come in screaming and shouting or whether they're going to be angry or frightened. So, we, so there is an element of that there. Uh, and there is an element, particularly while the principal dentist is under great pressure in carrying out a procedure, 
um, they've got to hold their head together, haven't they? They've got to remain focused and remain and, and, and remain really, really uh, resilient with regards to that process. So when we talk about coping factors um, for, for staff members, um, we can do some resilience training around things like uh, balance and self-acceptance. So accepting that we are human beings, accepting that um, when we talk about balance, we can say, well, you know, what, what's the balance in the situation? The balance in the situation is we can ask ourselves a question. Is this particular situation going to last forever? Is it going to last for five minutes? Is it going to last for five hours? Or will this ultimately finish? And so having that understanding around, around balance of the situation is key. And self-acceptance around the fact that we are human. Now, this goes back to uh, the previous podcast that we've recorded around rebuilding when I talked around um, the fact that we show vulnerability as, as leaders. Well, that self-acceptance as a team member and showing vulnerability as a team member is the same thing. So we need to um, support each other as well from the point of view of, of team members around that self-acceptance. Um, the trusted social supports that we've got, we need to look at who we've got in our social support from a family point of view. But in practice, who do we actually talk to? Do we talk? Do, do we um, show our own vulnerability? Do we, um, do we go to our practice manager and, and say, look, can I have five minutes with you because I'm really struggling with this particular topic? And that practice manager then, or principal dentist, gives that time freely if they're able to do that and to, to offer to some support as well. Actually understanding the purpose of what you're doing day to day. Now, I say to people often when Nikki and I run training courses, one of the things that I'm amazed by um, that, that people don't think about and they don't get is that when you work in a dental practice, you are touching people's lives. You are really helping people. You know, if somebody, anybody who's ever had a, a tooth problem, my goodness me, all they want is freedom from that tooth problem because it is yeah. absolutely horrendous. So to, to be able to change somebody's life for the positive, is really, it becomes really meaningful work. So when we talk about balance and we talk about self-acceptance, understand something that even if you are the receptionist in that dental team, or even if you are cleaning the toilets or whatever it is that you're doing, you are impacting change, positive change in those patients' lives. So you should be very, very proud of that and understand that you should have a little bit more resilience because that, that patient is reliant on you having that little bit of resilience and you, because you, you form part of, a, of an intricate team of people that is literally changing people's lives. And then the last thing um, that people need to really get into their head, and, and, and again, practice managers, principal dentists need to understand this, is that everybody should be encouraged to have some self-care. So we talk about self-care. So we talk about great nutrition. We talk about cutting down on the caffeine. We talk about um, having that moment of mindfulness so even just going out and sitting yourself in your car in the car in the car park and dropping the windows down letting the breeze go through the car and just listening to the leaves and just having that moment of focusing just on like nothing and freeing your mind freeing your mind from dealing with all that ppe that stress inside the practice and know in the back of your head that if you can recharge yourself, that little bit of self-care is absolutely key to making sure that you're going to keep your resilience power pack charged up. Because really, Amelia, 
That's what resilience actually is. It's a power pack that sits inside us all that enables us. And if we can dip into that power pack, it's almost like a, a fantastic battery of positivity. If we can dip into that at times of need, obviously we need to recharge the battery, don't we? So we need to talk about making sure that each team member is mindful of the fact that they will need to have some self-care and just to recharge. Even if that's just over a weekend or maybe take a couple of days off or whatever it is and, and have a complete change of environment. Environment is absolutely key to how we are in practice. It's absolutely key. And we need to make sure that we have fun environments that we can dip in and out of as well. Because by just switching off what we do Monday to Friday, it just takes that little bit of pressure off and we start to recharge that battery, Amelia. Yeah, great analogy, great way, great way of looking at it. Um, you know, it's, it's, I find all of this, I think I've, I've said to Nikki and said to you in the previous podcast as well, that, you know, I find all of this completely fascinating. Kind of, again, how everything links together, everything has such an impact that, you know, it's almost like it's all of these things that you have you put together um, that creates this kind of wheel of of what incorporates the five R's to to get to get to where we want to be basically. So you know it's absolutely fascinating. Um, and like it, I've said previously as well, I could could talk to you for hours about it. But uh, you know, it's, it's this podcast more about giving people a, a quick insight as to to what the you know what the five R's is about. Um, so you know. Great listening to about the, the series with you. Um, and as we've spoken about previously as well, obviously all the details are, are on this uh, on this page with the podcast. So people can click through, find out a bit more, find out a bit more about the course. Um, click through and find out your contact details if they want to speak to you or Nikki. Um, but, you know, it's been fantastic talking to you. Um, really, really interesting. I can say I found it hugely, hugely insightful. So uh, thank you so much for spending that time with us and explaining it all. You're very welcome, Amelia. It's been absolutely great. I've loved every minute of it. It's been great. Yeah, absolutely. And we are going forwards, obviously, you, you've done the, these five hours. I mean, we'll certainly catch up again, I think, and, and see where we where we are in the future. Um, because obviously, I think you, you and Nikki have got some great things um, in the pipeline. So it's great to keep in touch and touch base again. Thanks ever so Fantastic. much. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Amelia. And, and goodbye to everybody out there. Thanks for listening in. Super. Thanks ever so much. Bye bye.